Welcome back to another mailbag edition of the podcast. And just like last time, I'm just going to jump to the questions because there's a bunch of them. And it's it gives the, the podcast a little more flow, I think, than me just trying to ramble on about something. So Luke asks, is this real life? And I think it is. Um, sometimes you got to kind of pinch yourself to to make sure because you just you just didn't expect them to be this good this this quick and it's a it's a, a weird season and everything but um they're playing really good baseball and after the finish to last season it's been quite a turnaround and right now kind of everything is clicking and they have a, a another series where they should play well against the giants the giants are playing real well more on that in a second and then the, the big Dodgers series, which is their last chance to sort of make a run at the Dodgers. Um, if they're going to, I think they probably have to win all three of those games. We'll see, but it's been a lot of fun. Andrew Kalazi asked, why do the Giants keep winning? You know, they had the same thing going last year, and I think it's a little bit of a, a scary sign going forward because they have Farhan Zaidi, um, a good front office, and they've been able to hold their own without even really trying to win. Um, you know, or, or going for it. And this year they just have, they have a really, they have a, they have a good offense. I, I don't know how, you know, they've got Brandon Belt hitting great. Yastrzemski, who looks really good. Uh, former Padre Alex Dickerson's been good. He, he was slumping for a while and then he had that three homer game, I think in Colorado. And he's been on fire since then. Solano, um, Austin or Wilmer Flores hits, hits lefties well. So they have a, a good balance of lefties and righties. And uh, some 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 good hitters and, and some hitters performing way over their head, but it's still impressive that they've um, been able to win. They 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 kind of have they're kind of like the Mets, and that the offense is is really good. And, and I think the Mets offense is probably I think the Mets are probably a better team or, or a better group of players than the Giants. But the Giants seem to to be really good at winning. I mean, the Mets have Degrom, who's certainly an upgrade over the Giants. Yeah, any anybody the Giants have, uh, Johnny Cueto and, and Kevin Gosman are are, are okay one two guys. Um, Gosman's pitched better than his, uh, I think better than his, you know, his, his surface stats this year, but DeGrom is prob- possibly the best pitcher on the planet. If not the, if not the second best, although I saw the U divers tonight said that Trevor Bowers is the best pitcher on the planet. So there's, there's a good, good running for, for that title. Um, but yeah, the giant, you know, the giants are, are tough. They, they've taken advantage of, of the other of teams on their schedule. They should be, I think they're like eight and two against the giants or against the D backs. And they played them a lot recently. They're beating up on the Mariners now. So they'll have a test against the Padres in, in, but they certainly have a chance to, to, to get into the playoffs and to be kind of a, an interesting team. They've always had this quality of, of winning when they're not really supposed to, if you go back to their, some of their world series titles where they weren't a, you know, expected to do much and they were a wildcard team and they, they just keep winning, so they have a little a little of that vibe going. And I think I I would be more worried about them in the long run than either the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. Th- those two teams just I think the Rockies just can't get over the Coors Field thing. In part, it, it's so difficult to to play in Coors at home and then to go on the road and kind of go back and forth. And their core is getting a little older, you know, with Blackman and, and even Arenado. They still have still have story. I mean, they're they have some good players, but it just never seems to click. Uh, at least consistently, and the Diamondbacks are more of a mess, kind of selling off. They've, they've sold off all their good players in, in the last few years, and it's just tough to keep finding good players. You know, with with Starling Marte this year, Granke, Goldschmidt, all those guys have been productive. Well, Mar- uh, Marte just got traded, but and 
they just don't have enough good players and I, I don't think their system's that great and uh they've got a long way to go to get to get back on the level where the Padres and, and Dodgers are maybe where the Giants are going to be so let's move on to the next question what should Pat uh, Sergio Quintero asked what should Paddock do to get himself to his 2019 four seam fastball yeah I talked about this one in the last podcast I think the the one way to do that this year would be to send them down to to summer camp and you know have them just forget about starting for a couple of weeks and work you know work in front of the cameras or work with the the coaches and the, the high speed you know track man and, and the the slow motion cameras and stuff like that and really kind of dial in if, if that's what they think the problem is and that's what if, if paddock thinks that's the problem or if they can show paddock that that's the problem that would be the one day to maybe fast track that. Otherwise, I think you probably have to wait until the off season and try to get it figured out. And um, but that, that's I think that would be the, the one way to do it. And then to bring him back, probably in the bullpen and and, and kind of uh, unveil him in that role and, and see how hard he can throw out of the pen and for the playoffs and, and go from there. I, I think that is one option I mentioned in, in the last podcast. Um, Ivan Irania asked Almonte why. Uh, I don't really know. I, I I don't think it'll last long because it sounds like Tommy Pham is getting really close to coming back. Um, they are a little short on players. Uh, I, I I would probably prefer Greg Allen just just because he has more. You know, he's younger and he has more skills in that he's sort of a small ball player. He puts the ball in play more, and he's plays better defense stuff like that. But uh, I don't think we'll see much more of Almonte in the starting lineup. Sean Conacher asked, do we extend Rosenthal? You know, I, I hadn't really thought about that. I, I think it depends. It, like, every, like every kind of free agent deal, it depends on, on what he's looking for. And I, it does seem like there's a, there's a good fit there. He seems to be, he seems to be fitting in with the, with the team and the fan base. And, and if he pitches well um, and the Padres play well, you know, there's that sort of energy where it's like, you kind of want to bring back the guys who, who helped you to win, you know? So, uh, I could see it. They, they're going to lose, as it stands now. They would lose Yates, who you know I don't know what's what exactly is going to going to happen with him, anyways, with the arm situation, and Rosenthal. Um, so they're they're going to want to add to the to the pen, I think. And if he signs sort of a, maybe like a one year, I mean, this was kind of his like prove it year. So he's done that, but maybe he signs another one um, for more money, but not a long term deal to kind of prove it again over a full season and then go out and try to get one more um, deal on the market after next year. Um, so I, I could see that being a, being a match. All right. Next question. Pizza on a bagel asked, we shouldn't try to trade Will Myers in the off season, right? This was another one I, I got into, I think last time, or was it in the mailbag, but I know I've talked about it recently and, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think so, but I, I, I'm sure they'll try to explore deals if they think they can make the team better. As I said, you know, in 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 that answer, I, I just wouldn't trade them just to get rid of the money. And I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll put the money back into improving the team. But um, I guess that's the only way I would do it. And at this point, I'm, I'm not even sure if it's worth it. Is, is a team going to give you enough back for 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 the half you know the half season that that Myers is putting up this year? to take on that money coming off a year with, with no fans and stuff. Is, is somebody, is, is a team going to want to take on the, the, the 40 million, I think that's left on, on his deal and also give up something in return. 
or if they don't give up anything in return, I guess you can go and invest that 20 million on the free agent market or to bring in a, in a trade, tr another trade. But um, man, if Myers keeps hitting, I think maybe you just stick with him and, and you just pencil him in and, and you have a, a good outfielder and only on a two year, you know, a two year deal with an option. So I could see it going either way. John Wilson asks, what's the out ideal outfield DH mix, assuming Fam comes back essentially healthy? Um, it, there's a couple injuries there. If 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 Fam and Hosmer come back within the next couple weeks, let's say, I know Hosmer sounds like he wants to get back relatively quickly, and, and Fam sounds like he's even he's real close to, to returning, like it could be any day, which is uh, pretty remarkable after surgery on the uh the broken hamate bone and uh i think if fam was fully healthy you would probably put him in the outfield and in left field and then go you know left grisham in center myers and right hosmer at first and then you'd kind of mix up profar and moreland at dh depending on the the matchup you could also just leave Profar in left field, put Fam at DH because I know he's been dealing with. It seemed like he was dealing with a, a numerous different different um, ailments this year, so you might want to just keep him off the field for a while and, and as healthy as possible. So then Profar would would stay in left, Fam would DH, and then Moreland would play first until until Hosmer got back, and you kind of go from there. So I, I think. I think it would certainly give them a lot more flexibility if, if Fam comes back and, and Hosmer as well. But just just getting Fam back would give them that bat that they've kind of been looking for with Onya and Campisano, who who unfortunately went down. And he could also come back, and they could really start to have some some depth in the lineup if if they got him back and went through three catchers, and also got Fam and, and Hosmer back. So there's there's a lot going on there. Um, more you know the more they the more players the more good players they have the more they can mix guys around and, and also play into some of the flexibility with guys like Nola. So um, we'll see there. Next question. Adam Sullinger asks, if you're in the organization, how do you handle Paddock's apparent rabbit eyes? Because he's reading what people are saying, not hearing. And do you have a conversation with him regarding his brother's Twitter presence? Uh, that's a tough one. You know, I think that, I think that all these guys, a lot of these guys are probably on social media. And I think I heard the the guys on uh, Friars on the Farm talking about this today, kind of giving Paddock a pass because you're you're human, you know, and you're going to go out and see what what people are saying. And um, but I think as an athlete, you do have to find a way to tune that stuff out or to either use it as sort of internal motivation because I think all athletes are really good at doing that. They'll go out and and you know find they'll, they'll be playing great, but they'll find something that somebody says, and, and some some athletes, anyways. Are, are motivated by that stuff and by the sort of perceived slights of other people. You know, you'll, you'll hear sports teams do this where they sort of, uh, I don't know why I said sports teams, but, but teams in any, any, in different sports or in baseball where they will be one of the favorites, but they'll somehow um, convince themselves that they're the big underdogs and that nobody believes in them. And it's, it's fine. It's just a thing that athletes do um, a, a mental thing. And, but you know, if it, if it's affecting Paddock negatively, I think you just have to try to. He has to try to to stay off it and just not, um, not look when you're not playing well because you know it. it you're, there's going to be criticism and, and uh, people can be pretty can be ruthless at times. And uh, when you when you're pitching well and 
you know, the stuff from last year, it kind of, it kind of can backfire when you're not pitching well. And regarding his brother, um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Uh, you just kind of roll with it for now, I think. And, and if it, if it comes to a point, then, then you maybe might have to address that, but it's kind of out, outside of my, uh, wheelhouse. Able to do it as what would the pitching rotation in seven, eight, nine guys be for the lineup for the playoffs. So the rotation I, I talked about last time, I think it's pretty, pretty clear right now. Um, Lamette, Clevenger, and Davies. And uh, I think I said Lamette, Davies, and Clevenger to, to mix it up and put Davies in the middle. I, I think I would, I think I would actually do that because Lamette or Davies has, has also been better than Clevenger. Um, and I'm not saying he's a better pitcher, but you put him in the middle and, and you get the mix, you know, you change it up from high velocity to low velocity and back to high velocity. So I would consider doing it that way. And like, you're not losing a really lot of performance, especially this season with, with how good Davies has been. But I think that's pretty much set. I can't really see outside of injuries um, that changing. And then the seven, eight, nine in the lineup for the playoffs. Um, I'm trying to sort of put it all together now because with fam coming back, you, you have to kind of figure out where he's going to be. And and the interesting thing about fam, when he went down with the injury, you, you want him in the lineup and you want him towards the top of the lineup, but he was so bad, you know, when he was playing that I think removing him from the lineup was a, was a blessing in disguise because he obviously wasn't a hundred percent and he wasn't performing like the Tommy fam that you expected, but he was in, um, you know, the first, second, third spot in the lineup all, all the time and coming up with in big situations and making a lot of outs. So now you've got to kind of balance what do you want to do? The, the lineup has taken off without him. And, um, you know, I would consider just putting him at like seventh. And then you have like Profar and Nola, like Nola and then Profar. So that's a really, that's a really deep lineup. And then if, if Fam, you know, hits like, like he's capable, you can move him, you can move him up if, if need be. But I don't really know if there's that much tinkering, you know, to do, you know, I mean, maybe you can, you, you can move Fam. You can switch Fam and, and uh, Grisham, depending on the handedness. So so if Grisham can can lead off against righties, and then you can just flip him and Fam one of lefties, leading off and, and put Fam in the leadoff spot. I think that would be uh, that would make sense, and just go like one and seven with those guys, and then you've got really good hitters throughout the whole lineup. So that's that's a fun that's a fun problem to have. That seven eight nine is. Um, is good. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of, of a great offense is when your seven, eight, nine hitters are, are competent or even above average. So that would be a, if, if fam comes back and in Hosmer and Campisano, it's going to be a really deep lineup or Moreland might be, might have to be in there somewhere too. I don't even know. El Campa Papa asks, do you think Padres sh should think about giving Paddock's rotation spot to Morajon? I think fixing his fastball will probably require mechanical adjustments, which usually happen in the offseason. Yeah, that was similar to the, the question I had earlier. I think if you were really going to try to fix the fastball, you'd find a way to, to send him down or like a phantom DL thing and, and have him fix it over like a couple weeks span. Otherwise, you probably, you know, you, it might be hard to fix during the season, but I would I would let him probably start out, you know, start for the rest of the season if they don't do that. If they did do that, they, they could – they could either give the the spot to Morahone, which I think would be fine. Uh, he's been really good, or they could probably go with a four man rotation at at various points because they have a lot of off days down the stretch. So they could do either of those things. All right, we got any more? I think that's it. 
the one thing I wanted to talk about more that I was going to lead off with, but decided to do the questions first is, is Austin Nola and how good he's been and how good of a trade that was. You know, my first reaction to that trade was that I thought it was an overpay a little bit just because Nola is the sort of quintessential breakout out of nowhere uh, these last couple seasons as a 29 and now 30 year old. And I don't think you want to get caught um, buying into a player when they're at sort of a peak. But at the same time, if you look at how, how good he's been and, and, you know, the position that he plays and the upgrade that it's been over what the Padres had in, in Hedges and Mejia and Torrens, um, it's really pretty remarkable. And this is kind of manipulating the leaderboards a little bit, but I sorted on, if you go to fan graphs and sort catchers from 2018 through 2020, guys who've gotten at least 300 plate appearances over that stretch. Nola's number one with a 124 WRC plus, only 400 like five plate appearances. Grandal is number two at 123. Mitch Garver, who's a little bit similar to Nola in like a late breakout guy um, who's struggling this year. I think he might have had an injury and he's striking out a ton. But 122, and then JT Realmuto at 118. If you look at you know all the ca- the catching position, and and you want to take two guys who've who've been the best catchers and who probably project to be the best catchers going forward for the next few years. I think it's Grandal and and Real Muto. They're they're both the most complete and uh, most valuable catchers in the game. Grandal is really yeah he kind of got a bad rap early with the Padres with the steroid stuff and then kind of being run out by the pitching staff. Didn't like him. I always I always look back to that and say that the Padres picked the wrong you know they picked the wrong side there. To, to hitch their wagon to that pitching staff or Grandal. Um, but that's a whole other story. He, he went to the Dodgers and was great, and the Dodgers were great, and they would have been anyways, but, I mean, he was a part of that success. I know he's had some some high-profile struggles in the playoffs and, and stuff like that, but then he went to the Brewers, and the Brewers were, were great or very good, and now he's with the White Sox, and they're like the you know American League version of the Padres this year, and he's been great there, and so have some pitchers like um, – Dallas Keuchel, who relies on on framing, um, he's like uh, Zach Davies, as, as I wrote about um, earlier this week or last week, whenever it was over the weekend, I think. And then um, Lucas Giolito has been great for them. So, and his offense has been has been good again. And then Real Muto is probably who many would pick as as the best catcher. And if you just look at the numbers, and again, the small sample size and everything, um, but the numbers between Nola and Real Muto are really similar. So it's kind of interesting. Um, walk rate, Nola leads 8.5 to 7.3. Strikeout rate is basically exactly the same, 21%. ISO, exactly the same, like 210 for both of them. And the slash lines are almost identical. 277, 349, 43 for Nola. And 274, 336, 492 for Real Muto. So a little more power from Real Muto and a little more on base from Nola, but the same player. And I just think that's interesting just to look at how he's done so far and is he going to keep that up and probably not um the, the projections say he's closer to an average hitter than than what he's been actually i think they have him a little below below average although i would take the i would probably take the over on that at this point but the other great thing about nola and a skill that both grandal and real muto have i think certainly grandal he's arguably the best framer in the game or has been and I know Real Muto, I believe, is a, is a plus, plus frame, framer as well. Going to look it up real quick. Um, yeah, he's been a good a good framer. 
over the years or a better one in, in recent years. But anyways, they're, they're both good at framing and good at offense. They're the, the most complete catchers. And Nola is also a good framer. Uh, at least that's what the early returns say. And I think if you watch him, that's what it, it looks like. He's uh, very competent back there. You can't really tell the difference between him and Hedges. I mean, maybe maybe a little bit, but um, he's according to Baseball Prospectus, he's he's in like the top ten in framing this year. And small again, small sample, but it's like two thousand pitches, and it doesn't take a ton of games to get a hint of, of how good somebody is at framing because there's a hundred, 150 pitches in a game and there are a lot of opportunities um, to frame pitches. So to be able to go from Hedges and, and Mejia to Nola and Castro and Castro is a better hitter than, than those guys and also a pretty good framer. Um, so he can play some against, against righties and, and give the Padres some flexibility with Nola. It's really uh, a, a, a masterful stretch by, by Prowler, both in the off season with picking up Cronenworth and then the great trade for Grisham and Davies and, and now extending to the deadline when a lot of teams didn't do much and everybody thought it was going to be a quiet trade deadline and, and Preller goes out and makes six moves, fills basically every hole that the, the team had, including the biggest one at catcher where I think I thought and other people thought that it's hard to upgrade at catcher. One, because there aren't a lot of great catchers who are going to be available. Um, and two, because you don't usually do that at the deadline, uh, you know, and have to acclimate a catcher to a staff, but I think they picked the right guy in Nola because from everything you read, he's a, a very much a student of the game and all that stuff and very, very smart and, and gets on the same page and learns his pitchers and, and all that stuff. And you add in that he's a good framer and he's a competent hitter, which we've seen in the last couple of games with a home run. And then tonight, uh, a couple of hits, including a big uh, insurance run there in the eighth inning. So really remarkable stretch by Preller. And and I think he, you know, the my opinion on the Nola trade changed after I after I sort of dove into it more. And now a couple weeks, you know, a couple weeks after, week and a half after the deadline, it's like it, it looks like another um, excellent trade for Preller. And, and like I said, a run here he's had where everything is clicking after years where it was, you know, mixed where he would make some good moves and then he would make some head scratchers at the major league level. But underneath he was always, you know, Preller and staff was, was building up the, the farm system for, I think moments like this. And, and, and they, they used that to make a lot of these moves and they still have a ton of great players left over. So it's really uh, an exciting time to, to be watching and sort of trying to cover this team. All right, I think we'll do it for this time. Have another one of these at some point soon. Thanks for listening.